So today we are looking at the transfiguration of our Lord Jesus, this moment in his earthly ministry when he gave a glimpse of his glory to the disciples who were with him. And really, this event of the transfiguration, it's a turning point in the Gospels. Because so far, up to this point, Jesus has been walking around from place to place, healing people and teaching people and creating little pockets of heaven everywhere he went. But as soon as Jesus comes down from the transfiguration mountain, his face would be set like flint towards Jerusalem, meaning that he is resolutely walking the path to the cross. As we reflect on this scene of the transfiguration, I want to do two things. I want to show how we can sometimes find ourselves in the role of Peter, having a desire to stay on the mountain instead of going back to a world in conflict. And then more importantly, I want to show how Christ's resolute walk to the cross gives us both great comfort and great confidence and courage to face the challenges of life. Now, when I started reading through the text and started thinking about this message, my mind went to a very particular scene from Cobra Kai. I don't know if anyone out there watches Cobra Kai or, or not. It's fine if you don't. Basically, if you haven't seen this, it's, it's Hollywood's modern-day adaptation for one of the films that we've loved so much as children, The Karate Kid. Now, regardless of, of how you feel of the film industry strip-mining our childhood for nostalgic money, the show's actually kind of decent. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just like The Karate Kid, right? It has all the characters that you know and kind of love, and the writing is full-on 80s cheese, which means that the, the characters make decisions that no one in their right mind would ever, ever make so the show can happen. Now, the reason, the scene that I keep on coming back to in my head as I think about transfiguration, how these two things inter intersect, is, is when Danny LaRusso is teaching his students and his former rival how to win any fight. How to win any fight. And the secret to, win any, to winning any fight is, in Mr. Miyagi's words, no be there. The best way to win is to not be in the fight, according to Mr. Miyagi. Now, there is a lot of wisdom in terms, there's a lot of wisdom there in terms of our physical altercations and in the street fights or uh, 80s karate. There's a lot of wisdom there. You don't have to be there. You can make every effort to remove yourself from the situation. And also today, there's a lot of wisdom there in terms of social media and the battles that happen there. We don't have to engage. We don't have to make public accusations. In these things, it's, it's okay for us to run away and to avoid the conflict. However, there are conflicts and there are challenges in our lives that need to be faced instead of fled from. The problem for our human nature is that we want to fight the fights that we don't need to. And we refuse to fight the fights that we should. And that, that concept is running behind the scenes at the transfiguration event. Because there's two scenes here. 
first, the one we just read, right? In our text, we read that Jesus appeared in his glory, or at least some version of his glory. And his clothes became white and bright, and he was like lightning. And that alone is a breathtaking scene, but then there's more to it. Because alongside Jesus comes Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest figures of the Old Testament. It was, it was as if heaven had come to earth. And the disciples were firsthand witnesses of it. Witnesses, experiencers of a foretaste of the heavenly feast of peace. Like this is what it was going to be like. And that's the scene we just read. But just before this text, Jesus had just talked about something very different. He had foretold his death. He said this. He said, the son of man must suffer many things. And be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. And be killed and on the third day be raised. Throughout the text, just before the transfiguration, Jesus was talking about the importance of his disciples carrying their crosses and suffering for the kingdom. Jesus had depicted a bleak future for his followers. One filled with conflict. One filled with strife. And now... Of course, Peter, having seen the transfiguration, and, and we know that Moses and Elijah are beginning to leave, and so Peter's like, whoa, 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 don't leave, don't leave. Instead, he wants to prolong that tranquility. He says, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's stay here. Let's, let's put up three shelters, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Peter doesn't want to leave. He wants to set up shop. He wants to run away from the conflict, all the things that Christ had just described. He wants to know be there. After all, why go down the mountain? Why face all the suffering that awaits them there? Why carry the cross when God's glory is right here? I mean, forget the calling, embrace the comfort. And oddly enough, Peter was in good company. Because both Moses and Elijah had their own experiences of running away from the calling of the Lord. Moses, in his early years, was guilty of murder. And he fled from Egypt to be a shepherd. And he was a shepherd for 40 years. And he lived in peace. And then God appeared to him in a burning bush. And called him to come back to Egypt to lead his people to freedom. And Moses tried hard to pass the buck, and to stay in his comfortable life as a shepherd. After all, why go back to Egypt and face the conflict? Moses wanted to run away. And Elijah, too, ran away. Following the miracle at Mount Carmel, and you can read about all of that fun uh, in, the, in the book of 1 Kings. But right after that, King Ahab, his enemy, tried to kill the prophet. And Elijah had to run for his life. And he ended up hiding in a cave and lamenting his ministry. Thinking that he was the only one left. And even with God's encouragement, he was reluctant to return to the conflict. Elijah wanted to run away. He wanted to stay away. And the same is true of us. When faced with the challenges of this world and the conflicts of our lives, we want to run away. We want to know be there. We want to stay on the mountain in the comforts of God's glory, much rather than picking up our cross and following Jesus. 
Peter wanted to run away from the persecutions of being connected to Jesus. And Moses wanted to run away from facing the people in Egypt. And Elijah wanted to run away from those who wanted to harm him. The question is, what about you and me? What are the things that we run away from as humans? We tend to run when our hearts are wounded, when our feelings are hurt in a relationship. The marriage is in shambles. The friendship is strained. Communication has broken down. Maybe we feel undervalued. And the reality is that conflicts are going to happen in relationships. And it can be a fight to work through those conflicts and to seek reconciliation. And it can be really tempting just to save ourselves the pain, to cut bait and run. And it's tempting because we fight the fights we don't need to, but refuse to fight the ones we should. We also tend to run when we are gripped by fear. When the challenges of the workplace overwhelm us, we're tempted to escape. We may, be, we may be so afraid that we would fail to meet the challenge ahead of us, whether we are in school, whether we are at work, whether we are facing retirement. We may be so afraid that we won't be able to meet the, ne- the new challenge, and so we decide not to try in the first place. Fearful of the unknown, tempted to believe that, that the grass on the other side of the fence really is greener, we opt to run instead of face the challenge. I know that's, that's true of the ministry. There is so much of me that really wishes that ministry today was the same as it was 25 years ago. Or, or even two years ago. But because our goal is to take the unchanging word of God to a constantly changing world, we can't just do the same things we've always done. We have to find new ways to disciple believers and and new ways of showing Jesus' love to them. There's hard work ahead for for this church and any church, especially as we engage in a culture that is increasingly hostile towards the Christian faith. In in fact, there's actually a movement a few years back that, that called on Christians to return to a monastic lifestyle. The idea is to go back to the to the monasteries and isolate yourself away from the world. The idea was to cloister up with all the other Christians and and isolate from the world around us. And it sounds actually kind of nice. Doesn't it? I mean, it sounds kind of nice. You're just surrounded by like-minded people who love Jesus, and you never have to interact with the problems and the brokenness of our modern culture. That's today's version of staying on the mountain. It runs away from the mission to make disciples of all nations. And it dismisses the life-changing power of the gospel. And it's a refusal to fight the fight we've been called to. But you know the real problem with running? The real problem is something that Mark Buchanan lists in in his book, The Rest of God. Something that our church staff is reading through right now. And he says this, he says, a typical response to threat and burden is to want to flee it. It's evacuation as the cure for trouble. If only I could get away, that's our mantra. Then I could be safe. Then I could enjoy my life. 
But what we find is that that flight becomes captivity. Because once we begin to flee the things that threaten and burden us, there is no end to fleeing. We run. We run from the relational conflicts that would bring healing if we just faced it. And we run when faced with the fears and the insecurities that burden us. We run from sharing the gospel. We run from a litany of things that we could probably identify if we sat down and really reflected on it. But the real question isn't as much, what do we run from? The real question is, why do we run? And to take it back to the transfiguration scene, it's because we're like Peter. We're drawn to glory, but we're uncomfortable with the cross. I mean, we like the transfigured Jesus. We like glorified Jesus. We like the Father speaking approval. We like to be in the presence of all these great prophets. That's what we like. We like the glory. We're far less at home with the Jesus who's crucified, with the Father who's silent, with the prophets who are nowhere to be seen other than in their predictive words. We want to stay on the mountain of transfiguration. We, have, we want nothing to do with the mountain of crucifixion. And yet that's exactly where Jesus sets his face towards. The thing that we would run away from is the very thing that Jesus runs towards. From this time and on, Jesus resolutely goes to Jerusalem, towards Calvary, towards his suffering, towards his death. And he chose not to flee, but to fight the fight that we needed him to. Jesus went to do God's most glorious work. And that glorious work is this. It's not to find people who are worthy of his praise and to extract them away from the world. Instead, it's to find people worthy of damnation and to impart forgiveness and life and salvation to them, to us. Christ went to the cross, not by, not by conscription, but by choice, because his love for us is so great. Even more, he went not for friends, but for people born as his enemies. He suffered to redeem us, us who have nothing to offer and instead, he offered himself, all of himself, as our ransom. Jesus fought our spiritual battle against Satan, and he suffered, and he died, and he rose. And all of it was done to restore our relationship with the Father, and to save us from our sins, and to assure us of our salvation. And he assures us that by his death, by his resurrection, our sins are forgiven. Our future is secure. And that, that hope of the Christian, that hope that this world is not the end-all, be-all, but rather that our home is in heaven, that our future is in his glory, that hope, that's what gave Moses and Elijah strength as well. In the text, what we see is we see Jesus and Moses and Elijah, the three of them, they're talking about something. They're talking about Christ's departure. And the, the word that's better translated as exodus. His exodus. 
And Moses knew something of an exodus. I mean, his exodus was leading God's people out of slavery and into freedom. And Elijah's exodus, his exiting, was leaving the cave of fear and to be a bold witness of the power of God. And now what you have is you have these two who had once run away but have been called by God's grace to return into his service. Now they're talking with Jesus about his exodus. The one that would lead God's people out of sin and into everlasting life. The one that would call us out of our fears and out of our insecurities to be bold witnesses of God's everlasting love. See, the human nature tends to run away. It tends to flee from the threats and the burdens of this world. And it's daunting to tackle the tasks set before us. But what we learn from Christ is twofold. First, we learn that there are some fights worth fighting. It's worthwhile to pursue reconciliation for a strained relationship. To overcome the wounds of the past and to be stronger for it. When you think on that, who is it that you need to make peace with? Because it's worthwhile. And it's worthwhile to face the challenges and to see them as God's discipline. To see it that he is teaching us how to have a deeper trust in his provision. That he's developing us for service in his kingdom. And so ask yourselves, what is the challenge that you need to face? Because it's worthwhile. Because there are fights worth fighting. The second thing we learn from Jesus is that he overcomes all things. Jesus is far more than just an example for us. He is our peace, and he is our security. He is our victory. What brought Moses back from the wilderness, what brought Elijah out of the cave, and what made Peter a bold witness is that Jesus had taken away their sin. He had taken away their guilt, and he's done the very same thing for you and for me. Our confidence is not in our abilities, and it's not in our willpower. It's in God's grace given to us in Jesus. It's found in the final hope of every Christian that we will live and we will live in his kingdom. That's our future hope. But right now, right now we don't get to stay on the mountain. Right now we're called to go back down and to carry our cross called to face the challenges and the conflicts of a hurting and broken world. So while Mr. Miyagi might think that the best way to win is to run, to know be there, we're confident in this. No matter where we go, our God is always with us. And he's with us to the very end of the age. And so we don't run. Instead, we rest. We rest in the arms of the Father, and we rest in the cross of Jesus, and we rest in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we rest in all of those things, because in him, the battle is won. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have called us into your kingdom through the power of the gospel. You've made us your children through our baptisms. You've forgiven us our sins through Christ's death and resurrection. For all of this, we rejoice. 
that we can rest in you. But we also know that you call us to serve in your kingdom and to face the challenges and to stand firm in the faith to which we were called. Strengthen us by your spirit. Remind us of your promises that you are with us always. In Jesus' name, amen.